Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I am your host, Curveball, and today I am joined by the CEO of Uplifting Nonprofits, Sonia Sala. Her company specializes in training nonprofits and fundraising and leadership. Before her current role, Sonia spent 20 years in the hospitality industry making unknown hotels into gyms. So we're going to be talking to her about a number of things. Most important of all, fundraising. Sonia, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here, Curtis. Thank you for having me. Why don't you start off by giving the audience a little bit of background about yourself, anything you might want them to know? Oh, well, there's so much to know since I'm not 21, right? Um, I've lived a lifetime. I think I've lived many lifetimes, but um, the thing that would be of interest that brought me to where I am today is my upbringing, which was I grew up overseas and I, um, I am the, the child of two parents who I consider warriors of their time. Um, my father was an Egyptian immigrant that came to the States. My mother was the first child of a Swedish family that came to the States. They met on a blind date, two different cultures, two different religions, and um, I'm their product and we got to travel and live overseas. So I think that's just a, gives me the basis for who I am and what I am today. Well, let's start off about your previous career, start talking about that and explain what led you up to the role that you're in now, being the CEO of Uplifting Nonprofits. Sure. So um, being of an international background and, you know, as I said, I wanted to do something international. And so I got into hotels and I loved hotels. It was fun. I got to do many things um, because I was in hotels. I got to work with um, the president's, the president of the United States team and a lot of other VIPs because I was at the hotels at JFK International Airport in New York. So I got to work a lot with their team and see and do things one doesn't normally get to do. But while I was in hospitality, I was asked to serve on the board of directors of a nonprofit. And of course I was tickled pink to do that. And I believed in what they were doing. And I said, sure. And they said, well, you know, you're going to have to fundraise. And I said, oh, that's not a problem because when I was in hospitality, I was the director of sales and marketing. So speaking about money was not a foreign thing to me. But when I went to fundraise, I actually froze. I couldn't ask anyone for $100. And here I'd been working with clients multi-millions, right? But I couldn't do that. And I was embarrassed and angry and frustrated. And so I had to find a way to learn how to ask for money for nonprofit organizations. And I stayed in um, 
hospitality and then um, it was time for a change of career. The hotel industry wasn't what I wanted it to be and I wasn't what they wanted it to be, what I wanted them to be. So I left mutually and um, I took some time off and wanted to decide what to do. And then I said, well, I'm going to work in nonprofits and <laughs> I was going to save the world. And being that we are where we are today, I can say I have not saved the world yet. But my mission then became to help other nonprofits. And I realized that because on the organizations that I served as a board member, several of them, they started to hire me to do projects for them. And being multi-passioned that I am, it was perfect because then I got to serve a variety of nonprofits. And so I decided to start my own company. That's how we got to uplifting nonprofits. So this is a two-part question. All right. What is the difference between fundraising and nonprofit and for-profit organizations? And the second part is, when you served on that first board, why couldn't you ask anybody for money when you were raising millions working in the hotel industry? So good question. Actually, they have one answer, the same answer. So when you're in business or for profit, when you ask for money, you are giving an exchange, a service or a product, right? So you ask for, for um, a service and you pay for the service, you pay for a product. When you do this in the nonprofit world, you're not receiving a service or a product in exchange. So it was like, I'm asking for money and I'm not giving them a service or product in exchange. It was, it didn't make sense to me. It just did not make any sense. And I was like, but I've got to give them something for the money that they're giving to the organization. So that was why I froze. And, and that is actually the difference because when you give to a nonprofit or not-for-profit, you really aren't getting a service or a product in exchange. What you're getting instead is the opportunity to make a difference and to feel good about what you're doing. And in our day-to-day -day world, if I wanna make you feel good, Curtis, maybe I take you to dinner, maybe I buy you a present, Maybe I give you a hug, but I don't ask you for money to make you feel good. So there was that whole disconnect in my mind. So do you still have that disconnect now that you're actually training nonprofits to be successful at fundraising with your company that you had back in the past? Actually, I, it's what I've become specialized in. So no, I, I don't have a difficulty. And that's what I teach um, nonprofit leaders to be able to do, to ask for money because they too are uncomfortable. You know, nobody starts a nonprofit to fundraise, but if you don't fundraise in a nonprofit, a nonprofit no longer exists. So it's something that um, the leadership of nonprofits needs to learn how to do. Yeah, I guess if you don't fundraise, it really does become a nonprofit, doesn't it? Well, if you don't fundraise, it doesn't exist anymore because they need that money to to do the work that they do, right? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So let's talk about 
your company, Uplifting Nonprofits. Tell us everything that you guys do and all the wonderful things that you can provide. Let's say I'm a nonprofit organization and I come to you and I say, hey, Sonia, I need your help. I'm having some difficulty here. Tell me what you can provide me. So what I will provide you is I will train and teach your board and your staff on how to fundraise. And I will also provide them with some leadership um, tools as well. And what happens is, is I'm either coaching individuals, if that is what they prefer, or I am training a full board or a full staff on how to fundraise. And it's more about them being able to ask for donations because that's how most nonprofits get their largest amount of money. Let me just give you a statistic that would drive home the point of the value of um, asking for money um, besides the obvious. Most non, what's happened in 2020 the U.S. nonprofit charities had received $490 billion in donations. Now, that's a lot of money. And, but 80% of it, which is $400 billion, came from individuals. So it came from people like you and me, Curtis, donating anywhere from $1 to $1 million, right? And that's where it comes from. So if I have a connection with you and we are aligned in this mission, whatever the mission is, then it is, it is good for me to come to you and say, Curtis, will you make a donation to this organization? And that is where the biggest amount of money comes from. And that's where the, um, the majority comes from and the large amounts come from. A lot of people think they come from corporations, which corporations do give, but corporations only give about 10% out of that 490 billion I was talking about. So um, government and foundations make up the balance. So they do the other 10%, but 80% comes from individuals. So it becomes really important to be able to talk to people one-on-one -on -one and ask them for money. What is the biggest mistake you think nonprofit organizations make when trying to be successful at fundraising? So I, I think that a lot of them spend way too much time on events. And the reason they do spend the time on the events is because it's a safe way to ask for money without asking directly, without me asking you directly, Curtis, you know, would you support this organization and give us $10,000? It's easier for me to invite you to a gala dinner and ask you to sponsor, you know, a table, a puppy, whatever, and get the 10,000 that way. But what's lost in doing that is that then you and I don't have a relationship with the organization. You're just here one time and you're gone. And so that's the mistake I think a lot of nonprofits make is they spend too much time on events. Not that events are bad, they serve a purpose, they definitely do, but they're not as rewarding as the one-on-one -on -one contacts. 
what is the biggest success besides relationship building nonprofits have when they are successful at fundraising? Well, then they, they get to have their, their missions accomplished and they get to um, do things in a bigger and better way. So let me, let me say something about the, the, the impression of nonprofits. People feel that nonprofits should make do and do with less and that everything should be donated. And I don't agree with that. I believe that nonprofits should have the very best. They're responsible for changing so much in our world, in our societies. Um, they do the social, they do the education, they're about the health, they're about you know caring for the environment, they're about caring for um, you know people overseas as well as here. It's it's a big responsibility, and nonprofits come in to fill fill in where government and private sector doesn't always come in. And so when we tell people in the nonprofit world that you need to take less pay and you need to make do with um, computers that are five years old, I think we're doing a disservice to them, but more importantly to us because us are the recipients of their good work. So we're not giving them the tools nor the quality. So in developing fundraising with relationships, we are now elevating the status of the nonprofit so they could do the work at a better quality. Did that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Let's talk about some of your personal biggest success and failures in marketing and fundraising. What are they? I know you had mentioned earlier that you didn't really like to ask for money, but other than that, what are they and, and how can people learn from your successes as well as your failures? So one of my biggest failures was when I started this company, I came from the hotel industry. So I really wasn't knowledgeable about the nonprofit world. And my one of my biggest failures was I didn't have confidence in myself because I was comparing myself to people who had been in the nonprofit world 20 years. I've done this for 20 years in the nonprofit world. And so I felt less than and less significant. I was able to take that um, lack of confidence and do a lot of studying and research. And then I did different things. I did almost anything that a nonprofit would hire me for, whether it's their events, whether it's helping them with their strategic plans or you know, setting up their database, something as, as basic as doing their database, just to get the feel of being in a nonprofit and understanding it from that perspective, as opposed to the perspective of a board member. So I had very low self-esteem and confidence in this field. And yet here I was starting a business in this field, kind of a, an ironic thing where, I don't know, maybe it wasn't the most brilliant thing to do. But it gave me the opportunity to do many different things in nonprofits. And um, I found out I'm really not good at database and entering there, really not good at it at all. But I, it, it came back to me again about my strength is relationships. And I wanted to harness that as best as could be for nonprofits. And so that's what led me to realize that showing them how to ask for money is, is important. 
And it's more important than me doing it because if I do it, then the, the donors and the, the, uh, the people who support the organization leave with me as opposed to staying with the organization. And the key is for those people to have a bond between the organization and the donors. So my successes, so you've heard my failure, right? And so it, it took me about until the last five years before I actually started really taking off, knowing what I want, pinpointing, bringing my niche down to this specific topic. The other thing that's been um, challenging is that there aren't many consultants, companies that do exactly what I do when it comes to um, focusing on teaching the board and the leadership on how to fundraise. They, they do many things with fundraising. They show them their strategies. They show them their um, plans. They show them you know, how to do events and, and, and lots of good things that they need. But it's the specific of being able to understand the mindset of how to fundraise. And that makes me unique. But what's difficult about being unique is that you're forging the path. And when you're forging the path, you always are clearing the way and taking time to stop, make sure it's okay and keep going ahead. So those are my, my failures and disappointments, I guess, or stepping stones let me put it that way better they're not failures they're stepping stones but they are failures because you learn from your failures and if you don't fail you don't you don't grow so they're my stepping stones and um my successes are are always when i see somebody tell me i can't ask anybody or i don't know any rich people whatever that means rich people could be you know people who make 50,000 a year it could be people who make multi-millions a year. It's all relative to who you are and the organization you're supporting. But I love then when they come back and they are actually asking and they are lit up because they are achieving their goal, which is to support an organization that is close to their heart. And that just lights me up. We'll be right back after a short commercial break on the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast. There's a throng of people waiting for the release of the next episode of Mosin at Large. I thought we'd talk to some of them and ask them why. Mosin at Large keeps me informed about technology. Yeah, but like it also like talks about all kinds of things, but from a blindness perspective. The interviews are well done and really interesting. I love that people contribute from all over the world and everyone has a chance to be heard. I don't always agree with everything he says to be sure, but fair play. He makes me think. I must say... Sometimes he really makes me laugh. Having a place that's about our issues is so important and refreshing. Join me, Jonathan Mosen, and our audience who contributes from all around the world for Mosen at Large, the show that's got the blind community talking. You can listen live on Mushroom FM, YouTube, Facebook, or Clubhouse, or follow Mosen at Large in your podcast app of choice. Please note, no real humans were bothered during the recording of this promo. Mosen at Large Podcast. All right, we are back on the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast. We are joined by Sonia Sala, 
We're talking about uplifting nonprofits. Sonia, let's talk about you speak three different languages and you like to travel. So tell us the places that you like to go to the most and tell us about those three languages that you speak. Well, <laughs> I, I speak uh, English, French, and Arabic, and I get to use them when I travel, thankfully. But I, I will tell you a funny story about language. At one point, I wanted to learn Italian, and it was in my mind to learn it. And I was um, with my future husband at that time, and he was Puerto Rican-American. And so... <laughs> So I said, okay, you know, I should learn Spanish at this time. So I went to study Spanish and he asked me to stop because I was speaking Spanish with an Italian accent because my desire was to speak Italian. Fast forward 35, 35 years later, oh my goodness, my husband is, is no longer, he has moved on to transition to the next world. But um, so I was traveling to Italy and here was my opportunity with the Italian. But when I tried to speak Italian, I would do it with a Spanish accent. So <laughs> my language has got a little backwards between the Italian and the Spanish. And on both sides, there's just lots of laughter with that. But uh, English, French, and Arabic. And so travel. Oh, my gosh. I live to travel, Curtis. I, I just love it. I'm part of um, Rotary. I'm sure you've heard of Rotary. And they have this program called friendship exchange and it's sort of like for adults a student exchange and you travel to another part of the world for two weeks and you're you're hosted with about four different families during your two weeks you get to see places that you wouldn't normally get to see like for example we were in sweden but we never got to Stockholm. We were in the southern tip of Sweden, which one wouldn't normally go to. And then we went to Italy, and we were not in any of the main cities of Italy. We were along the southern coast, closest to Greece, Puglia, and that beautiful area. So those are exciting adventures because you're, you're living with the people of the country, and you get to hear their views, and you eat with them and you communicate with language and hand signals and facial gestures. So that is so fun, so fun. Well, I was just gonna ask you about Rotary. For those who might not be familiar with it, kind of explain to them what it is and what you do. Sure, so Rotary, I, I've been, I'm delighted to say I've been a member for eight years. Um, when I started my company, I wanted to give back and I didn't want to align myself with any one thing in particular because I didn't want to create conflicts of interest so that if I'm working with one arts organization and I'm, and I'm working with another one, I didn't want there to be conflicts, so I didn't want to align in that way. So I did Rotary, and what I love about Rotary is it's international. It's all around the world. It's um, people coming together in clubs for community and networking and helping community or helping across the world. Rotary is focused on uh, seven areas where they make a difference. One is the environment. Another one is basic education and literacy, peace and conflict resolution, uh, disease prevention. Big is polio. They're known for polio. And in fact, Bill Gates 
partnered with them on polio, water and sanitation, and maternal and child health. So when you are part of Rotary, you are part of all that. So when I donate to Rotary, donate money, which I do, it then goes to so many areas that I could not even begin to touch. But I know that it's somehow helping someone or something somewhere in the world. My work with Rotary is I became a member through the JFK International Airport Club. It's, it's a group of business people all around the airport that we focused in that club on, on a few things. One was um, children of special needs. And another thing is um, women, educating women and then um, students in uh, studying aviation. But as I've moved up in Rotary and gone on to district level, we, we do so much across the district. And one of the projects that we're known for is Gift of Life. And that's um, helping children with uh, congenitive heart surgery across the world. And that organization has, has helped over 38,000 little children live again who were operated on as little, little babies. Um, another organization that's come out of it is General Needs, which works with veterans, um, homeless veterans and supplying clothing and food and many necessities to veterans. Um, not only just homeless, but a lot of homeless. So there are different organizations that come out of Rotary that impact the world. And, and that's the beauty is it's not just impacting the community, it impacts the world because we are all connected and we are all one. And the sooner we all know this, the happier we will be. Absolutely. So let's talk about any upcoming projects that you have personally or professionally with your company? You got any speaking engagements, any books, any podcasts, anything like that? Any courses? Curtis, I love that you asked me about books. Books is not what I do. I do not write. <laughs> I am a speaker. Um, I, I do speak at different places and different things. I just recently um, spoke at a, a convention uh, conference for nonprofits, and, and that is where I do a lot of my speaking. Um, with nonprofit associations and varieties of them um, and teaching on on that type of a scale. So no, I don't do I don't do books. Hmm. No, I don't think I ever will either. But who knows? Who knows? I didn't think I'd be in this career either, but anything is possible. Um, I'm, I'm working with a, a couple nonprofits right now. I do take some pro bono. Uh, and so, you know, organizations are always open to reach out to me. And even if I cannot take them pro bono, if I can refer them or help them in any way, maybe just a conversation and a light bulb goes off for them, it's always a pleasure to do that. Speaking of careers, you are also a governor. So why don't you talk about that? <laughs> How you got into that? Give your district a shout out. Okay, so our district, actually, I'm becoming governor. I'm not yet, but um, I'm going to be district governor for Rotary. And um, it will be the district that's in New York that goes all the way from, if you know New York, I don't know if your listeners do, but it goes all the way from Brooklyn to past the Hamptons, which everybody's familiar with or most are, to Montauk. 
So it's that whole stretch where um, 1,600 members and 68 clubs. So it's really exciting to be able to represent them, um, to represent the good work that they all do. Yes, I'm excited about it. Well, I'm excited for you, and I know you'll do a good job just like everybody else. Why don't you go ahead and throw out that contact information, let people know how they can connect with you, connect with your sure. company, your social media, all that. Sure. Um, the best place to, to find me is on LinkedIn. It's Sonia J.T. Sala. And you can also find me on my website, which is Uplifting Nonprofits. That's two words, Uplifting Nonprofits. Yes, I am on Twitter as well. I am on Instagram, but Instagram's purely personal and fun, so I don't do any work there. But the best place to find me is on um, my website, Uplifting Nonprofits, and my email is sonia at upliftingnonprofits.com and also on LinkedIn. You have any final thoughts before we close it out today? Just that I would love everyone to follow their passion of helping, right? So don't give up, keep, keep making the difference because I know every person is in their own way um, to keep smiling, make the world a better place. That's it, Curtis, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Sonia Sala, make sure to follow, share, rate, review, and tell a friend after listening. Sonia, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Curtis. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.